People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. We've got a full show today, proudly South African and Southern African, moving our literary focus all around Southern Africa. We have two interviews today. It's a big coup for us. Two interviews, two half-hour interviews with really interesting people, great writers. And the first one, sitting right in front of me, Sue Nyati. Sue has written a book that I read in three days. I couldn't put it down. It was an eye-opening experience of the Zimbabwean South African experience, the migrants coming into South Africa, what they go through. And when I read the book, as soon as I finished, I called up the publicist at Macmillan and I said, Eileen, we've got to get Sue on the show. (laughs) She has to come and talk to our listeners about the gold diggers. This is Sue Nyati joining us in the studio. Welcome to Chai FM, Sue. It really is a great honor for us to have you join us. Thank you, Steve. Great to, I'm glad to be here and to you know, interact with your, your audience. I'm going to ask you the question everyone gets the, as the first question. Mm-hmm. Please introduce yourself in your own words and on your own terms. Okay. My, my, name, my full name is Sue Lushenyati, and it means a beautiful day. And I'd like to, you know, I'd like to refer to myself as a writer by passion and an investment analyst by profession. And I'm also a mother to a beautiful little boy called Sabelo. So that's just me in a nutshell. And I have a very, very fertile imagination. <laughs> yeah. Now, can you give us some more of your biographical details? Where you're from, how you became a writer and also an investment analyst? And which one do you put first? Okay. I was born, bred, and buttered in a city called Bulawayo in Zimbabwe. And I like to compare it to Peter Maritzburg because it has that sleepy hollow feel. And incidentally, I was actually, I did my primary education at a Jewish school called Carmel. And I actually played Vashti in the Purim school play. (laughs) But I think that's a story for another day. Um, I did my high schooling at a girls' college. And I probably did, you know, English as a subject. But I never really went on to study literature or creative writing. So I'd like to say I'm probably one of those self-taught writers. I love to read a lot. And from a young age, I used to read. So, you know, when I was in high school, I wrote a lot. And my books were like DVDs. I used to write on A4 books. And they would be circulated from my school to other high schools. So it was like one night. You could only have my book for one night because there was only one copy. I mean, you can imagine if you're writing handwritten books. And, and the, the, good, the thing is, no one ever lost the books. You know, they would take it out for one night <laughs> and they'd circulate it. And, you know, whilst other kids were busy doing their homework, I was writing books. And I remember my mother, almost, you know, banned me at one point from going to the library because she says, you, you know, you're not studying hard enough. So, but, you know, I managed to to pass my A-levels. And at that time, I wanted to study journalism, but there wasn't that course on offer at any of the universities. And I couldn't, we couldn't, uh, my parents couldn't afford to take me outside the country. So in the end, I ended up going to a local university where I, I studied finance. So it was just the opportunity to study finance was there. It wasn't really like my, my passion. Um, but I never stopped writing. So I would say I've always, I'm a writer first. I've always been a writer before the investment analyst. And, and when did you come to South Africa? So I came to South Africa in 2008, after the last elections. And that was probably at the height of the economic crisis in Zim. And I felt my life was stagnating, more like Porsche in the book. You know, I was, I was sitting there and thinking, 
I think I just converted my salary. At that stage in time, I was working at, at the university. I just finished doing my master's. And I had just converted my salary. And I was thinking to my on the black market because that's what you did. You had, you had to earn money, withdraw it, and change it the same day because it was losing value. It wouldn't have the same value the next day. And I sat there and I thought to myself, is this it? Is this going to be the rest of my life? And I think, you know, that's when I, you know, made the decision that, you know, I, I need to leave. I, I was never really keen on leaving. But at that point in time, I was like, there is no future for me here. And I would look at um, my peers in other countries and the things they were doing. And I was thinking, you know, I mean, I know people like to say stay in your lane, but I was thinking, no, there has to be more to life than this. And so that spurred my decision to leave. And you ended up in South Africa and you've become a writer and, 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 and uh, uh, a financial analyst. And this is the second book that you've had published. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the first one a little bit later. But The Gold Diggers, what we're discussing today, what is the basic story of The Gold Diggers? The Gold Diggers basically charts a journey of immigrants coming to Johannesburg, you know, to to get gold. But it's a different kind of gold. I mean, if you think of the way Johannesburg was built, it, it was built by settlers who came here looking for gold. They were, that's why the title's called The Gold Diggers. But this is a, a different kind of gold in the sense that it's in economic gold. They're economic migrants. They're trying to get earn a living, get a, you know, a better fortune from where they're coming from in Zimbabwe. And... And so it's these these characters are on a journey and looking for a fortune. And that's really the essence of the story. It's interesting that you came to South Africa in 2008 and the book starts off in 2008. Mm-hmm. So quite a bit of your own life has become part of the springboard for the beginning of the novel. Yes. And it's set in Bulawayo because I also, you know, came from Bulawayo and it's, you know, the two are like neighbors in a way. Can you introduce us to some of your fantastic characters? I really didn't just read a book. Mm-hmm. I surrounded myself with a cast of people who I care about. Still, after the book's you know, I finished reading the book, you gave them such immense life, such personality. And uh, we want people to go and buy the book and read it and then pass it on to their friends and le- lend it out for a week at a time. <laughs> and it must do the rounds. But we, we, have to, we have to tell them the type of characters that they're going to meet in the book. Okay, so let me introduce you to the cast of the story, The Gold Diggers. So you have Melusi, who is the first character you meet. And he's, the, he's, a, he's a transporter, Malaicha. And he's a man who ferries these people across, you know, across the border from Zimbabwe into South Africa. And it's it's an illegal way that they enter. And I'm not going to give away too much. You can you can read about how they come in. Lindani's his his attractive girlfriend whom he picks up, you know, on on the way and she's also on her own journey, you know, running away from her own troubled past. And she's trying to, you know, start in a clean slate by coming here into Johannesburg. But her slate really gets dirtied. Then you have Chinai and Chamnora they are twins who are running away from the troubled past, only to run into an equally turbulent future. Then there's Portia. She's coming with her son. to be. She wants to be reunited with her husband. Now, I just need to give you a bit of background about many migrant workers. A lot of men, and it didn't start you know, in 2008, even prior to that. My grandfather, my paternal grandfather, used to work in the gold mines. And like many of his peers, they would come here, and maybe spend 11 months living in Johannesburg, you know, and then they'd go maybe in December 
and then they would get their wives pregnant and come back. And they might not even come back for maybe two, two years, depending on what kind of papers they were carrying. So that pattern, we still see today. You know, men working here, leaving wives behind. So Portia's story of a wife who wants to be reunited with her husband. But she, you know, when she comes here, to her surprise, he doesn't want to be reunited with her. And so she now has to make a decision. Do I go back? Or do I try and look for my own fortune, a new life here? And then finally, we have Dumisani, who is the professional in the character. In the, in the, he's a professional in the book, unlike the other characters. And he just becomes a victim of unfortunate circumstances. And we also follow his path, you know, in trying to get the gold. But in the process, he sacrifices his family. And you wonder, was it really worth it? This is the cast of The Gold Diggers. It's Soon Yati's novel. It's published by Macmillan. It's available in the shops. So it's a very, very powerful read. Sue, we're going to discuss what she does with the characters as well as who they are. We've just finished discussing who they are. We'll continue the conversation with Sue straight after these ad breaks. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM, and we are in conversation with Sue Yati. The author of The Gold Diggers, I've been raving about this book since I read it, and it took me three days. It was a very immersive experience into the Zimbabwean immigrant experience in South Africa. Now, having read the book and now speaking to the author adds an extra layer of 3D reality to the book to hear how so much of the book is so personal and how it's not just a story. It's a real it's it's all true, even though the characters are fictional and they're made up. And uh, we've been introduced to the main storyline. We've been introduced to the main characters. But now, to make that experience real, Sue, you must have done a lot of research for this book. How much of your characters' lives are based on real people and events? Yeah, the research for the book was very extensive indeed. And just to digress how it all started, it actually began with my first job that I got here when I first arrived in Johannesburg. I worked for an economic development consulting firm as a research associate. And part of my job, we used to do a lot of feasibility studies. And the, we had this tedious methodology. Well, I used to think it was tedious then. I didn't real, you know, it, but it helped me a lot in, the, you know, in informing me about cities and the layouts and you know, the, you know, the spatial planning. And one of the projects we worked on I, you know, my, my, my boss would say to me, you know, you need to do the baseline. And, and that involved actually walking the street and taking note of what was on the street. So, if you know, because what you would get from the city of Johannesburg, you'd have a, a map, but it only show you, shows you an earth number, but it doesn't tell you what's there. And he would say to you, I want to know what's there, how many square meters it occupies. And, you know, that's our baseline. And, and I actually walked the street, you know, the inner city of Johannesburg, taking, you know, making, you know, taking notes on what, what was on every street. And that, you know, later became, you know, my, my, my board my, for the research because I actually walked the streets and I knew the city inside out. And, and wherever I worked, it was the same methodology. And that's how I became to know, you know, know the cities intimately because I'd walk all those corners. And so I, I've walked, you know, Hillbrow. I've walked the inner city. And that's how, you know, that was the, 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 the basic research, you know, in terms of the, the, the book. And I did a lot of desktop research as well. And I read about 
uh, in terms of interviews and document um, and other books about people crossing over into South Africa. And I watch a lot of YouTube videos. And of course, there are also, you know, people I know, my relatives, who've also endured horrendous experiences. So that also formed part of, of my research. And then you were saying to me how much of the characters' lives are based on real people. I didn't write a, a character, you know, a character based on a, a real person, but it was more of the stories that actually informed the characters. So, for example, you have Guguletu, the the child in the book who's, who's who's sold into child trafficking. I mean, we hear about child trafficking a lot. That's very real, but her character is not real. It's just a fictional character. But once you know, when you meet Guguletu in the book, and the way you you know you're drawn to her. It gives you more empathy about child trafficking. And instead of just, it doesn't become another story, but it's actually, it becomes real to you. Yeah. That, that happened. The Guglietu is a very powerful, a mana, but a very powerful oh, character mm-hmm. in the book. And you, you, give, you, give, you give face and you give yes. person, person, personhood yeah. to the stories that we all, you know, the new stories that we hear all the headlines, exactly. which is what makes the book so powerful. Mm-hmm. What motivated you to write The Gold Diggers? So uh, just a few months after I moved to Johannesburg, the xenophobic violence broke out in Alexandra. And and later on, you know, we had more, skir- you know, uh, skirmishes, you know, between foreigners and locals. And I used to listen to the conversations around xenophobic violence. And there was always this, you know, the same questions being asked. What are they doing here? You know, where where are they coming from? Why don't they go back to their own countries? So like you say, I wanted to give a face to they, you know, because it's easy just to talk about they, you know, as some remote, you know, uh, thing or, you know, it's just like a fig, you know, something so that's not tangible. Yeah, it's, abstract, yes. it's not tangible. So I wanted to give they a face. And so I thought by writing this book, I would I would do that and sort of answer that question. Who are they? Why are they here? You know? And so that's how that book came about. I mean, look, uh, the xenophobic violence didn't just affect Zimbabweans. It affected lots of nationalities. But I thought, I'm a Zimbabwean. I know the Zimbabwean story. So let me tell what I, you know, the story that I know. And that's, uh, you know, that's personal story that's also personal to me. That's a powerful motivation. And uh, I believe you've been very successful Thank in you. immersing a South African readership mm-hmm. in the Zimbabwean migrant experience. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that the book is r- truly universal mm-hmm. because at this moment in time, America is yes. mired in huge controversies about immigration, exactly. families being split up. Mm-hmm. Europe, European politics yeah, has been uh, Push in a different direction because of migration from the Middle East and from Africa. Yes. You know, I think Brexit to a large degree yes. was a vote against migrants migration, coming yes. into England. So migration is a hugely, hugely topical Topish, conversation exactly. point and it's on the agendas of every politician. Yeah. And you've given migrants a human face, mm-hmm. but you've also done something more. You've made us the reader not only empathize, but fully sympathize with the migrant experience. And that leads me to my next question. When I read a book, the author becomes invisible, and I get carried away by the story or the beauty of the writing. And strangely, I don't think of the author at all. But when I was reading The Gold Diggers, I felt your presence behind my shoulder very strongly. You were like a God-creator figure 
very directly orchestrating the lives of your creations, your characters, throwing challenges and hardships in their paths. I really felt sorry for every single one of them, every step of the way. You've made me far more sensitive to the plight of migrants. But why so bleak? Do you have a cynical view of mankind? Do you know, to be honest, the story of, of you know immigrants coming into Johannesburg is a sad one for the majority of people. I don't know if you if you saw that the coverage when Mugabe was finally, you know, when he stepped down in, in Zimbabwe, the jubilation. So many people have been displaced, families have been broken, you know, and it's a sad story. And I think only a minority can really say, look, we, my leaving has been, you know, a triumphant tale. For many people, it's a sad story. And I just wanted to, sh- to show that it's a story of exploitation. People are exploited, you know. They live in appalling conditions. There isn't a happy ever after. And I thought I needed to be honest. If I'm going to tell the story, I need to tell it honestly. Okay. And yes, I am cynical. <laughs> and I think that comes across in my work. But look, I'm not, I don't believe mankind is a total write-off. They are good people. They are good Samaritans. And you see them in the book. And, you know, it's, it's those people who actually, you know, give, give the silver lining. So my presence was very strong because the the whole book was deliberate. I mean, I had to tell certain stories, and so they had to turn out in a certain way. So maybe that's why you felt the maneuvering. It's like moving chess pieces on a chessboard. So yeah, in a way, it that was orchestrated. It was it was like you know this it has to go this way because, that, and that's how it it typically goes, you know. And yeah, so that's yeah that's probably. But I, I really did enjoy the experience mm-hmm. having you behind my shoulder because I felt that I wasn't just engaging with the characters. Mm-hmm. I was engaging with you. You were manipulating me. Yeah. But I, 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 I valued the experience because out of just a normal, random South African citizen who doesn't think about the plight of migrants very often, mm-hmm. you pushed that to the forefront of my personal agenda while I was reading the book, and it's staying with me now. So you've opened my eyes to, 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 to very strong realities that are happening within one or two kilometers from where I personally live. Yeah. So that, that, that was a very successful achievement that your book did achieve. We're in conversation with Sue Nyati, the author of Gold Diggers and also previously a book called The Polygamist. We'll be continuing the conversation straight after this break. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM in conversation with Sue Nyati for the first half of the show. The book that we're discussing is The Gold Diggers, and we are in conversation with a very passionate and a very insightful and a very talented writer. How do you manage to hold down a job, be a mother, and still write? (laughs) It's a tough balancing act. I like to think of my my writing in two phases. BC, before the conception of my son, (laughs) that was much easier because, you know, I was single. You know, although I had a full-time job, I mean, mean, consulting is, is, is tough on its own, but I had time, like the weekends were mine. So if I decided I'm going to spend the whole weekend writing, I could switch off and actually write. But when my son, I started, uh, writing the gold diggers um, just before I fell pregnant. And that, 
yeah, and trying to write. So I think that's also why it took so long to finish the book because I started before I gave birth and I tried to do a, a draft like uh, before I went into labor. <laughs> and when after giving birth, when I read some of the stuff I'd written, I was like, oh, the hormones must have been <laughs> playing tricks on me here. So I had a lot of rewriting to do even after that. But, you know, raising a child and writing is, is not easy. So I stopped. I mean, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't cope uh, with, with raising a child on my own and writing at the same time. So for a long time, I just, I put the, the, uh, the, the manuscript away. And also at that time, I got laid off work. So I was also now trying to write, um, do script writing, which is how I got into the, the TV writing. Because I was also trying to earn a living as a stay-at-home mom, you know, raising a child, but being unemployed. And it was in 2015 when I went back to work. I started my new job with a stockbroking firm. And then my son was like 10 months old then. So I sort of started to get into the work routine. And what I then started to get back into the writing again. And what I used to do, I, was, I would write in the morning at 3 a.m. Because I'm that kind of person when I write, I need total silence. And if you have a child in your life, you, you don't get total silence unless they're sleeping. So that became my routine. So I'd write from 3 a.m. to 6, 6 a.m. I mean, three hours is not a long time in a writer's life. You know, but I just thought I need to get some writing done. So that's how I then managed to start uh, getting back into the book. And I managed to f- fin- finish it in 2016. Yeah. When did you sleep? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> you know, as a mom, you, I think, you know, you, you get used to surviving on a few hours of sleep, you know, especially when you have a newborn, you know, so you snatch an hour or two here. But I also got into a routine like I'll try and sleep earlier because I know my day would be longer. So. But, I mean, you just have to make the time if you really want to write. Um, it's not the best of circumstances, but I had no other choices. So, For me, it adds an extra <laughs> level of appreciation to the book. Mm-hmm. Your first novel, The Polygamist, is now being made into a film. What's the basic story of The Polygamist? Because now that it's going to be made into a film, I'm sure it's going to be reissued with a new jacket. Yeah. and It will be available. And how did the film adaptation come about? And you must be absolutely thrilled. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally amazing because The Polygamist was actually self-published. When I, fir- when I finished it, I, I really couldn't find a publisher for it. Um, you know, no one was interested. And the, my editor, Paula Murray, said to me, well, I still think it's a great book and I you know, advise you to self-publish. So I went that you know, route of self-publishing. And so, you know, for it to have gotten so much you know legs and as like a film deal is is absolutely amazing the polygamist is about four women who are in love with one man so the title's a bit misleading because people think it's about the man it's not it's got nothing to do with the man <laughs> it was never about the man i actually was more interested in why women would choose to be in a polygamous setup and it's not really polygamy in the traditional sense it's the kind of polygamy we have nowadays where men purport to be monogamous but you know they get other wives on the low so it's that kind of, you know, underground polygamy, I like to call it. So that's, you know, that's, that's essentially that story. And so I was approached by the director, Holly Nigiwe of Branded Souls. And he read the book and then he approached me and said, I'd love to do a film. This was like in 2012. And that it was just a desire then. And I think we went, you know, it, it was a conversation that only really took root, I think, was it in the last two years when we actually we did the option and, and actually signed and then that's that's when i really knew that oh it's actually going to be a reality 
And I was speaking to him yesterday, and they've done the casting. So it's like my, you know, the the book is actually now taking life on, you know, <laughs> in that new format. So yes, it's something exciting that I'm looking forward to. What do you read, or which authors do you read? Well, currently I'm reading a lot of local fiction. I didn't always read uh, local fiction, and that's because it wasn't accessible. And that's probably also what motivated me to write because I never used to see myself in the books I read. I grew up reading, you know, Helen Van Slyke. Jean M. Jean M. Ale, Martina Cole, Sidney Sheldon, Jackie Collins. So uh, there was never any African literature in my life as a young, when I was growing up. So that also motivated me, you know, to write what I do right now. And so at the moment, I'm reading a lot of other African authors because there's so many of them on the continent, yeah. And it's very exciting. African fiction is an exciting space. Yeah. And it's moving in so many directions. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, in a few weeks' time, I've got Tommy Adeyemi coming oh, in. Oh, wow. well, I'm interviewing her, but I've got the phone oh, from London, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she's the author of The Children of Blood and Bones, yes. who you share or publish her with. Yes. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just so exciting, and we just have to make space to discuss African literature, yeah. African fiction. And then what are you currently working on at the moment? So... At the moment, I'm working on the new book. It's called The Gold Rush. Okay. <laughs> and it's essentially a, a book about the pressure women face to get married by a certain age. That's why I call it The Gold Rush, based before 30, you know. <laughs> and you sort of have this stampede as women sort of near that age. And I also, it's also about what happens to women who aren't married past that age. So... It's not as heavy as the the gold diggers. I also think I need to sort of unwind after this. <laughs> yeah, but it's also an important story that I think needs to be told about. Yeah, It's a very topical one as well because mm. m- maybe in Africa, 30 is the <laughs> sell-by date. Yeah. But it looks like increasingly in cities like uh, in countries like Japan, South Korea, China, women are choosing not to get married because yeah. life is just too exciting <laughs> in the first lane. So, you, you know, you might actually have uh, – uh, a future book about, you know, the choice to leave the gold rush. Yeah. Maybe like, you know, the diamond lifestyle, something like that. Yeah, I hope, and I hope we can evolve past the gold rush. I really do. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you in the studio to, to see the life of a writer beyond the pages of the book, beyond the cover, and to hear the struggles that you go through to make sure that you can put pen to paper at three in the morning <laughs> so that years later we can hold the book, book in our hand and I think that's just enough of an inspiration for everyone listening especially for the book clubs you have Zimbabweans working in your house yes. but you don't often engage with them about their personal life they walk past you in the streets they share our country with us we share the African continent and Sue's made their life very accessible to us through the gold diggers thank you so much for writing the book and for coming and joining us on Chai FM thank, thank you. you for having me thank you